Hello everyone and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. My name is Teresa Reese and I am your host on today. Y'all know how we do it. I'm going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And this is a PSA announcement. This may be a trigger for some. And if it is, you are more than welcome to turn off this episode. Um, However, if it encourages you and you believe it will encourage someone else, by all means, please do me a huge favor and share the podcast. I am trying to get the word out um, so that I am able to touch lives. If you also have or would like to know more about the book, A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry, you can go to IamTeresaReese.com. So the name of this poem is My Unborn Baby. A very bright person I was sure you would be, and it may have been rough for us in the beginning, but that didn't matter because I wanted my baby. We started facing complications and I began to doubt, but I wouldn't dare blame God if you didn't stick around. I was very emotionally and physically drained, yet I was certain that from God, new strength I would gain. So as I continued to pray, I kept hoping for the very best, putting total faith in God, trusting him to do the rest. But if you left, I would not forget the fluttering I felt inside or your first kick. I wanted to give birth to you, my unborn baby, but unfortunately I was plagued with a sudden miscarriage. My heart broke when I lost you and the tears kept falling as I held you in the palm of my hand. You were oh so very small. You were beautiful with features so strong. Forever in my thoughts you will always be as God holds you near his heart. I'll carry you in mine permanently. As God holds you near his heart I'll carry you in mine permanently. I will always love you. May you rest in peace, my unborn baby. And so I wanted to dedicate this episode to my unborn child. His name was Damon Jeremiah. And although I just read to you the poem, um, read the poem to you, I literally wanted to talk about it. Um, Because a lot of times when we go through things, we don't give voice to it. And I wanted to give voice to that situation because although the poem was endearing and it was truly heartfelt when I wrote it, there was a dark side leading up to that. And truth be told, I did not want my child initially. And part of it was because of the person who had fathered my child. And I just didn't really want to have him in my life for the rest of my life. And I know that that may sound selfish. I'm sure it was quite selfish at the time. But there were things that I did 
um, that I truly believe to this day caused me to have that miscarriage. I lived on the second floor. When I found out I was pregnant, um, he just, the way, the type of lifestyle that he lived, I knew that I would be putting myself, my child, my other children in jeopardy had I stuck around, had he stuck around. Um, And so I would do foolish things like if I'm at the top step, I would jump to the third step and skip a couple of steps on purpose. And those are things that I knew would potentially cause me to have a miscarriage. And it wasn't until maybe the 90th day, which was three months in, that I started to renege on my thoughts of, I had other children that I wasn't with their father, so Maybe if I did go ahead and and have this child, I don't have to be with the father. And so um, I had restructured how I thought about the pregnancy. And then I started wanting my baby. And I ended up having cramps. So I went to the hospital. And when I went to the hospital... The lady told me, one of the nurses, she was like, I don't hear a heartbeat. So they had to check me in. And I remember waiting for people to come into the room to let me know what was going on. And I'll never forget how when they came in, the young lady came in, she was like, we are going, the baby, there is no heartbeat. Um, The fetus has passed away. And so we're going to need you to um, pretty much get the fetus out. And for those that are in the medical field, I don't quite remember, but I do believe it was something like a DNC. I may be completely wrong because it's been a lot of years, Um, but it was pretty much they gave me medication for, excuse me, for me to pass the baby. And I was in the hospital by myself and I was alone with the thought of I've given birth to children so I know what this feels like and now they're telling me that the baby is not alive and I've got to pass this baby Um, and so I sat there for a moment and when she gave me the medicine I literally felt like I had to do what I'd done before, which was push the baby out. And so I started trying to push and she put her hand on my shoulder and she's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to push the baby out. And she said, oh honey, the baby is already dead. The medicine that we gave you is going to help the baby to come out. And I think when I heard those words that the baby is already dead, that's when it registered to me that I was going to birth an unborn child. I know that doesn't sound right, but that's the best way for me to, excuse me, explain it. And so when I did, when he came out, She asked me, did I want to see him? And I said, yes. And he was so small 
that I could hold him in the palm of my hand. And his features were so distinctive. He was gonna be a dark complected, gorgeous baby boy. And his little skin, like I could see his little fingers, and I could see the skin forming around his face. And the skin had not formulated on his hands, but it was around his face. And tissue was like his hands. It was like pink, pinkish. And he had his little ten fingers. He had his little ten toes. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had his ten toes and he was just going to be a handsome little young man. And I spoke to him and told him that I loved him and all of that. And she ended up telling me, and now that I'm thinking about it, I probably have already spoken about this before, but I'm going to speak about it again because it's heavy on my heart. But, um, she told me that where they would put him, I would be able to go and I would be able to visit him at the hospital, like in a four year, um, they had to cremate him. And I just remember my friend coming to visit me in the hospital, me making a couple of phone calls, telling people that I had had a miscarriage and he had literally passed away on, or he would, we're not sure the exact, you know, moment, but when I passed him, um, it was on the 25th of April, which happened to be my little brother's birthday in 1999. And I remember having a dream and the dream that I had, I was in a car and I was trying to go somewhere. And when I looked at my rear view mirror, it was my son whom I had lost, but now he was around seven years old and he was sitting in the back and I was like, Damon, you can't go. And he just gave me the smile. And so I was like, okay, I got to get you out of the car so I can, you know, go to my next destination. And so I got out the car, went to the back seat passenger door and opened it up. And I remember taking his hand and guiding him to the sidewalk and hearing him say, look, mom. Now you have three guardian angels. And I'll never forget that dream. And there have been times that I would mourn him, but I don't believe that I truly, truly mourned him until today. Earlier today, I had watched a show and there was a young lady 
on the show that had actually had a miscarriage and um, she had been so sedated that she didn't even realize what day it was um, because she had recently just gotten married and then they were about to consummate their marriage and she started hemorrhaging or bleeding and it dawned on her that she was having a miscarriage and she had she was a part of a talk show so it was supposed to be a big deal if y'all have watched the show y'all know what i'm talking about if not um yeah (laughs) but um i ended up watching her and she said something that she like stopped the show because she ended up going and seeing photos and there was a picture of a baby on the mother's chest and it made her stop what she was doing and I could feel that and I was like hmm that's strange like I felt why she stopped I felt why it gave her pause and then she asked the audience how many of y'all have had a miscarriage and she knew the consequences because she was all off script. So she knew the consequences of asking that question, but she didn't care because one of her main things was, why do we act like we are okay when we're really not? And that resonated with me because I thought about everything that has happened in the past week two weeks and how I was feeling like oh you got to get back to work you got to get back to work and then something just hit me like to go back to work now would mean that you are making it seem like you're okay you're rushing the process Why are you rushing the process? Why won't you let yourself grieve? Why won't you let allow yourself to feel what you feel? The absence of your loved one, what it really feels like. And so I gave myself permission to grieve. But when I gave myself permission to grieve, I didn't know that part of that was going to be giving myself permission to grieve over my unborn child. Now, by the grace of God, the way that God would have it, not too long after I ended up conceiving another child, and that would be my son, Josh, who has been one of the apples of my eyes. And so I understand that everything happens for a reason. And even though I know that everything happens for a reason, it doesn't mean that those reasons are always going to be easy to swallow. (laughs) It just doesn't. There's still going to be times that we question why things have to be the way that they were. Because in my mind... For that brief moment when I was, you know, truly not desiring a child um, by this man, I know 
that even though I didn't desire a child by this man, I knew the way that my body was made, you know, that I'm like they people always say like a baby factory. So I figured, you know, even if I didn't want a child by this man, I was still going to give birth to this child. And I know the type of love and the kind of love that I have that my not wanting him, um, the love that I have was going to trump that anyway. And so, and that's exactly what ended up happening is that it took me a while to process the fact that I may end up having a child by this man, but the love that I was going to have for, for the child himself was going to surpass my not wanting the child. And by the time I came to terms with that, apparently it was too late. My body had already started to reject the baby because mentally I had initially rejected the baby. So even when I tried to change my mind and even when my mind did change, the damage had already been done. And that really was kind of, it was hard. It was harder than I thought it would be um, because the baby was still a part of me. And there's been so many times that I've I've been or said that I was okay when I was not okay. Or there have been things that I've agreed to, to do that I truly wasn't even at peace with. And part of me gets like, not, part of me just gets I don't even know the right word. I don't, it's not, well, maybe it is frustrated. Um, frustrated with myself in terms of like, why do you say yes when you really want to say no? Or why do you agree to things that you really would prefer not to even do? And I'm just now getting to the point that I'm no, and I know I, I figured it out. So the answer was because I was a people pleaser and I was more concerned with the people being pleased than I was how I felt on the inside, how my, what about my feelings? Like, I don't even know when that took place. I don't even know when caring more about others overshadowed caring more about myself. Eventually it has changed. But then I think about when I get ready to get married or when I meet my future hubby and I start to realize, well, that's a part of it too. Because when you get married, it's no longer about you. So I don't know if I was in boot training and didn't know it, but I feel like it's a different type of sacrifice when you are in wedlock and you are dying to self versus when you are dealing with day-to-day matters and you are denying yourself for the sake of pleasing other people. There's like a totally different dynamic, in my opinion, when it comes to being in a marriage as opposed to just me existing in my singleness. And so I'm glad that I came to the realization that I don't have to say yes to things that I truly need to say no to. And even my taking time out to heal, that's giving myself permission to mourn, to grieve, to come to terms with things that I cannot change. That's part of the serenity prayer. It's giving me permission 
to operate in what it is that I'm feeling. I was, it was um, an app, the app that I um, have downloaded on my phone. It says something to the effect, because I try to like um, feed myself affirmations on a regular basis. So the app is, it's the I am app. If you don't have it, I suggest you get it because it's just that good. Yes, this is a free advertisement for the I am app. <laughs> However, I suggest that you download that if you don't have it. And what it does, it helps to affirm. So one of the things it said is that, and I'm paraphrasing because, you know, it goes up so quickly, you read it and then you kind of digest it and then that's it. And um, now I do have the option to be able to save it and create my own little affirmations. I just haven't gotten there yet. Um, it's free up until a point. And then I do think that you have an option of paying like almost $20 a year or something like that. But I digress. But anyway, in reference to the actual um, app, it said something to the effect of no one has the right to tell me how I feel. And I wish I would have heard this when I was a teenager. I wish I would have heard this when I was five years old, four years, you know, a, a child. I wish I would have heard those words that no one has the right to tell me how I feel because I would have found my voice. I would have found my voice when it came to the, the um, young men that molested me. I would have found my voice when it came to being physically abused. I would have found my voice when it came to being verbally abused. If I would have had that in my spirit, that no one has the right to tell me how I feel. Because part of being a, a person that is a peace, people pleaser is that we want people to tell us how to feel. And it's not directly, it's just a subconscious thing. I want, if you feel good, I feel good. But that's not always the truth. That's not a fact. You could feel great and I could feel terrible. We could be making the same exact decision, but the way that it affects me could be totally different than how it affects you. That's one of the reasons why I said that if you, if this is a trigger for you, speaking about miscarriage, talking about my unborn child, if that's a, if that is a trigger for you, please discard this episode. And the reason being is because I am at a place that I can talk about it. But there are a lot of people that are grieving in silence. There's a lot of people that cannot formulate the words or the thoughts or the emotions to articulate how they feel or don't even really want to address it because it's too painful. I get that because it's taken me over 20 years for me to even acknowledge the depths of how painful it was to have that miscarriage. And so if it's taken me this long and I didn't even realize that it was an issue until I watched an episode on television. So that means that when it occurred, because I was in autopilot mode, I was in, okay, girl, you know, this, you ain't the only one that has experienced something like this. So come on, get over it. Put your big girl panties on and let's, let's move on with life. But that's dangerous. And that's something that I'm trying to be more mindful of even while I'm grieving is that I can't keep trying to rush these processes. Like I said, even about this whole podcast, 
I'm creating the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I don't even know when my future hubby is going to manifest or if for that reason. But I don't want to rush this process. This is the first time that I'm willing to take my time concerning relationships. Because for the longest time, I don't know if it was a fear of being by myself. Because, I mean, I really like my own company, so I don't even know if that was it. Or if it was the trying to please society or people or trying to adhere to their their timetables. You know you're over 40, girl. You need to have a husband. I'm not sure what the driving force was, but I am so glad that I am learning that there is an art to waiting. And trying to figure out how to master that art so that I truly cannot and will not be anxious for anything. But in all things through prayer and supplication, I begin to make my request known unto God. And one of the things that I made known unto God is that I no longer wanted to be in the shackles of people pleasing. Make it, oh girl, don't say that. Because if you say that, you know, you're going to have people, they don't, you know. I am sick of being in that mode to where I can't truly be my authentic self because someone either doesn't want you to shine too bright or they don't want you to say this because it may step on their toes or like all of those consequences. I have really, I've gotten to the point, there's a book that says, What you feel about me is none of my business. And now I'm at that point. Now the point that I'm at is the only being, there's two, well there's a few, but the two primary are God and myself. So for me to be able to walk in my truth, speak my truth, be my truth, I've had to denounce So many lies that I've been told over the course of life. So many false belief systems that I fell privy to because I didn't take the time out to learn why am I on this planet? And it's crazy how someone else could discover their full potential, their full purpose in life. And they could be operating in that. And just be full of life, full of joy, full of happiness because they have found their authentic purpose in life. And see you and see your potential and try to knock it down without giving you the the, uh, opportunity or the freeness or the liberty for fear, for the sake of fear, for the sake of indifference, for the sake of jealousy, for the sake of their insecurities. And I finally just got to the point that it's like, okay, I cannot live vicariously through you or I can't allow you to live vicariously through me in terms of telling me how you want me to live so that you can be at peace when you go to bed at night. And then it's robbing me of my own peace. And I've noticed that that is a form of bondage. When you are, when you are allowing someone to dictate to you how far you can go in life. One of the reasons why I became an entrepreneur is because I didn't like that. I felt like that was an act of slavery in a sense, where it's like, you're telling me that this is how far I can go. 
This is you're telling me this is how much I can make. You're not God. I'm trying to take the limitations off so that I can be all that I can be in him without drawing back. Because for so long it's been well who does who do they say you are, Teresa? <laughs> who do they say you are? Well, if this is what they say you are, then that must be who you are. No. Who does God say that I am? Who does Teresa say that I am? And so the decisions that I made, even concerning my unborn child, is because I didn't understand what I was thinking and why I was thinking it. I just had a fear. I don't want to be connected to this man in no way, form or fashion. Oh, no. Because I didn't want to be looking over my shoulder. I didn't want to be, whew, I don't want to get on his bad side and then, you know, possibly lose the people closest to me. I didn't want that to be my testimony. I never surrendered my unborn child to God the way I should have in the beginning. Toward the end, I did when it looked like things were getting grim. But I should have did that the moment that I found out that I was pregnant. I should have dedicated the whole situation to God, given it to him, confessed my sins unto him because it would have been another child born out of wedlock. But instead, I operated in fear. There's been so many decisions that I've made in my life that were based off of fear. I married my first husband based off of fear, based off of the fact that, okay, I'm getting older. Everybody else around me getting married. Am I going to be single for the rest of my life? Surely not. So the first man that said, will you marry me? I said, yes. That is not how I desire to live my life going forward. I want to be able to be who it is that God called me to be unapologetically. I want to be able to tell my truth unapologetically. And what I'm realizing is that I did not go through, I do not believe that I went through all the hell that I went through. I do not believe all of the things that I encountered were for just me. Even if it's just for me to share my story, for people to understand that you do have options. That we don't have to be so quick to go with the very first option. That we can count up the cost. Figure it out. Find out what works best for us so that we're not living in an area of regret later. It's so many decisions that I made in the process of trying to discover who I was that ended in regret. Dating the wrong people. Sleeping with the wrong people. Yes, there were some blessings that came out of that. But these were never people that were wholeheartedly for me. And so that is one of the things that I am, even when it comes to friendships, I'm learning like everybody that says, girl, I love you, don't really love you. Some of that is lip service. 
just because you care about someone and their well-being or just because you're being a true friend to them does not always mean that it's reciprocated. Jesus had a Judas. Some of us have Judases in our lives. And I would hate to find out after the fact, after I've gotten married, after that, oh, you were the Judas in the camp, the Judas in the camp the entire time. I would prefer to find out who Judas is, whether it's one or whether it's many prior to my saying I do. I would prefer to tell my truth now because that way when my mate does meet me, when my purpose partner does manifest, whatever I may forget to say, he can go back and he can read the journal that I've dedicated to him or he could take time out and listen to each one of my episodes of the Dear Future Hubby podcast. However it be, he's getting to meet me authentically because this is my truth. This is what I've lived through. This is what I've gone through. This is what I have survived by the grace of God. I have had a miscarriage. I know what that void feels like. I know what that pain feels like. And until today, I didn't know that that was even a trigger for me. But he needs to know that. Because if we're watching a show together or a conversation comes up, a random conversation comes up and he starts seeing tears flowing down my eyes, I need him to understand why. This is going to conclude my podcast on today. However, before I fully conclude, y'all know I have to read a letter to my future hubby. And it is dated February the 11th, 2021. Dear future hubby, I don't talk about this often, but I've had a miscarriage. On April 25th, 1999. I was four and a half months pregnant. His name, my unborn child, my son, was Damon Jeremiah. I didn't want this child initially because of who his father was. He was the kind of guy who would sleep with a gun under his pillow. The kind of guy who made sure that the seventh step leading upstairs to his bedroom would squeak so that he would never be caught off guard by an intruder. To call him a thug would be an understatement. Nevertheless, I didn't realize that my mind had gradually changed concerning having my unborn child until after he was no longer with me. Why am I bringing this up? Because it's important to me that you know everything about me, including this. I watched a show earlier today where the lady experienced a miscarriage. Next thing I knew, I was in tears, uncontrollable sobbing. Now, part of the reason why I was sobbing could very well be because I am still grieving the loss of my grandfather. However, the other reason why I began to cry could be because the wound runs deep. 
knowing what it feels like to carry life within me, but never having experienced losing a life until that day, it's something I can identify with, but that I've never truly talked about. But you need to be aware that I've experienced a pain like this one. We may be watching a movie or the subject comes up, a hidden trigger. Next thing I know, next thing you know, I may start to cry. I need you to understand the why. Also, why is it that we pretend like everything is okay in our worlds when they are not? Especially when there are times that it really isn't. One thing is certain. I never want to pretend with you. Not when it comes to being vulnerable around you. I hope that's okay with you. I love you. Love, Teresa. So I do hope that you all have a wonderful, blessed day. And even if you have to get you a journal, even if you have to write down some of the things that have affected you, maybe you don't want to talk about some, about some of these things that you've experienced, but it's good to get it out. How can God pour in when we have all of this stuff pressed inside that we're not releasing to him? Allow him to mend your broken heart. Allow him to touch those areas that you uh, just literally kept quiet about. You don't have to always talk to an individual. You can always talk to him. He is an ever-present help in our times of trouble, in our times of sorrow. He is my best friend. I don't even want to imagine what my life would have been like had I not had a relationship with him. Because when I couldn't talk about my truth, when I was being hushed for telling the things that happened to me and talking about them. When I was being ignored because no one wanted to believe what I had truly gone through. He was not only there while I was experiencing it. He was there to help me through it. It's only because of him that I can talk about a lot of the pain that I've endured. And I know that I'm not the only person that has experienced pain. And I know that I'm not the only person that needs to heal in these areas. But if I'm the only person that's willing to talk about it openly and honestly, now don't get it wrong, I have a tumor in my brain. So some of the stuff that has occurred to me, like it may seem all jogged up or whatever. And it's just because we're still dealing with my cognitive side of my brain. But for the most part, God has allowed me to, and my memories to stay intact. And I'm grateful for that because surviving two brain surgeries and still able to remember some of this stuff that I know that that's an act of God. But I share because I want to help. It's too many of us, especially my people, 
walking around in pain, suffering, feeling like no one understands. Too many people having suicidal thoughts. Too many people angry. Don't even know why they're angry. Couldn't even formulate a sentence to explain why they're angry. But they're just angry and bitter. And part of it is because it's been so much damage done. And we're not talking about it. We're pretending like it never happened, which is a lie. And we're trying to operate and tell people that we're whole, that we're healed, that we're good. And we are lying to ourselves. There is a word in the scripture that says a man who thinks he is something when he is nothing deceives himself. We have got to stop deceiving ourselves and deal with these issues. It is imperative that we heal. It is imperative that we get the junk out so that the good can be poured in. And we can serve a greater, greater good, even to ourselves. Like I want to, I want to know the best version of me before folks tried to destroy me. I want to know what she looks like. I want to know how she thinks. I want to know who she is before other people's opinions of who they thought I was because of the mistakes that I made formulated in their minds and they com- they put their consciences on me. I want to know who I am according to how God views me. And then I want to walk in that with my head held high. I want to be able to tell my truth. You had a miscarriage? Yes, girl, I did. I sure did. And I didn't want that child. By the time I realized that I wanted that child, it was too late. I'm not going to walk around in shame. I'm not going to feel guilty for that. That's what the devil wants me to do. I'm going to continue to speak my truth in love the best way that I know how in hopes that it will set someone else free. It's time out for the mask. It's time out for the front. Who in the world are we trying to impress? Like my dad, my stepdad used to always say, and I'm so glad that he instilled that in me. He was like, girl, you living in a fantasy world. You walking around here and try to try to impress people that don't even care about you. And I used to get really offended about that. But now I realize he was telling me the bona fide truth. Trying to impress people that don't care if I take another breath in a minute. That don't care if I see tomorrow. That don't care if I desire to live my best life. That would will ill if they could get away with it. So why am I holding in all of the pain and all of the the hurt? Why am I keeping that in and not sharing my life's journey so that people don't have to make the same mistakes that I did. That is selfish. 
The only way that people could get better and heal and feel better is when people start to tell their truth. Speak your truth. There's somebody out there that needs to hear your story. There's someone out there that needs to hear how you got over. And the only way that they could do that is if you're completely transparent. We got too many believers, too many people that are children of God saying that they're children of God, but lying to the masses for the sake of saving face. Time out for all of that. We overcome by the power of our testimonies, not by the power of lies. I want to be transparent. I want you to know when my heart has been broken. I want you to know how I'm grieving. So that way, when you get in a situation and you're like, you know what? I remember this podcast where Teresa was talking about her miscarriage. Let me go and find that because it was something that she said on February the 11th of 2021 that really truly resonated with me. And right now I literally just had a miscarriage or I know someone that had a miscarriage. Let me share this with her in hopes that she will be encouraged and not ashamed T.D. Jakes wrote a book called Naked and Not Ashamed. It's time that we start to be just that. This is my nakedness. I've been through hell. My name is Teresa Reese, and I approve this podcast. Y'all have a blessed and wonderful evening. Do me a huge favor. Take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl Teresa. Bye.